The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel filling in for The Voice on this Friday, a week from today. Mr. Leach and Mr. Pecoro and I will pile into some vehicle and head for the plains of Auburn, Alabama, barring some unforeseen change, of course, and actually call a college football game one week from tomorrow. Can't wait. Can't wait to talk about it today, and uh, we'll talk about it with you as well. Coming up on the show, uh, as always, two of Tom's regulars, John Clay from the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com, and Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. And, of course, the Big Ten is actually going to play football as well. And as it turns out, so might the Pac-12. There are stories saying now that the Pac-12 might be following suit and might reverse itself as the Big Ten did and could possibly approve a plan today that would mean practices start next week and they might be playing football by Halloween on the West Coast. One of the reasons for that is the governors of both uh, Oregon and California spoke out because people were saying, well, we can't play football in these states because the uh, the states won't let us. And the governors are both releasing statements saying, no, it's not a state thing. It's a local thing. Uh, didn't say thing, but you know what I'm saying. So now it's up to the schools, individual, high school, college, junior college, to work with the local health officials. So if they have any thoughts of playing football, they have to work that through their local health officials. So that said, of course, you've got all those schools in California that are Pac-12 members and a couple in Oregon that are Pac-12 members. So if they can work through that, you may see football on the Pac-12. With the Big 12, or the Big 10, rather, uh, coming back and possibly the Pac-12, now the people who run the playoffs uh, have got a real conundrum on their hands. But they would like to have that problem, I would think. Maybe not. Maybe they just like to keep it simple. But I know college football fans are happy to have that problem as well. So uh, stay tuned on all fronts there. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, Taking a look at Kentucky, UK football headlines, Wildcat news of the day with the links to these stories uh, on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. As always, more preseason honors for the Wildcats. No surprise here. Seven Kentucky players named to the 2020 All-SEC Coaches Team. I don't know about you, but uh, when it comes to the coaches, I, I want to put more stock in what they say. But sometimes I wonder, are are you guys really paying attention? And during the season, the answer is no, because quite frankly, because they don't have time. Uh, you know, when, when they pick their, their, their postseason all-conference play, uh, players, I often put more stock, and not just because I'm a media person, in the media because – we probably watch more games. Coaches watch miles uh, of, of tape, if they still use tape, or hours of video, and it's usually their own team or the team they're scouting. And sometimes they'll sit at home and flip the dial. But in terms of actually studying and, and, and reading up on players, they don't have time. 
So I like the preseason teams because they have more time to think about it and sift through information. And I do like the names that have popped up on this list. Of course you're going to get Max Duffy. And of course you're going to get Drake Jackson. And of course you're going to get Darian Kennard. Those are the, the three first-teamers. We all know about Max, the All-American from last year. Uh, Drake and Darian are part of one of the top three offensive lines in America. Some say it's the best in America. So it's not surprising to see their names pop up. But Landon Young on the second team shouldn't be a surprise, but I don't think he's getting enough attention. Uh, some of it may be because, of course, he's coming uh, off a season that followed an injury. But uh, he is a second-teamer. And then three defensive players, Yusuf Corker, who led the team in tackles last year, Josh Paschal, who's now a D lineman, coming off a year at linebacker, and Boogie Watson. Uh, he was on the third team. Uh, so Corker and Paschal and, and Boogie on the third team. So um, I think I said they were on the second team, third team. Uh, so the good sign here is, of course, people took notice of Yusef Corker. He had a massive year last season. And they know Josh Paschal is a terrific player. He has played on the line before. And then he, as I said, shifts to linebacker, now back to D-line. So they know what he's capable of doing. And Boogie Watson got the recognition that he got essentially because of what he did in the second half of the year. He did not play well early in the season. That's not me talking. That's not Mark Stoops talking. That's Boogie Watson talking. And you might recall this, that he was our player of the game uh, after the loss at South Carolina, which might have been the second most disappointing loss of the year last year, second to Tennessee, because Kentucky was better. But quarterback situation being what it was, late edition of Lynn Bowden in that game showed that he's the quarterback of the future. But they let that one get away. Boogie Watson played extraordinarily well. And after the game, he said, my own parents told me I wasn't playing well. And when mom and dad tell you you're not playing well, you got to step things up, which he did. So now people have noticed Boogie Watson. When we come back, John Clay, the Herald Leader, and Kentucky.com will join us. You're listening to The Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Welcome back to The Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for Mr. Leach. And now coming to us on the Kentucky Hemp Works Hotline, our first guest of the day, John Clay, sports columnist for the Herald-Leader. You see him as well at Kentucky.com. Good morning, Mr. Clay. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm good, Mr. Gaber. How are you? Uh, we're, we're very well, thank you. First of all, the news today, this morning, may have come out last night, that now the Pac-12 is rethinking itself when it comes to college football. The Big Ten has already done this. Uh, you have uh, written extensively about what's been going on with these conferences in and out of college football. What's your reaction, not just to the Pac-12, but to the Big Ten suddenly deciding? And, of course, John, it's not about the money. No, of course. No, it's about the kids. If the kids, you know, want to play. Yep. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's all about the kids. Uh, well, you know, when you go back to when this all started or when this, uh, not when the pandemic started, but when all this thing about will they play or won't they play, and the Big Ten after, you know, after announcing their revised schedule just a few days later decided to shut it down, and then it was in like an hour later the Pac-12 says, oh, yeah, we're going to shut it down too. And I think the Big Ten thought that the other Power Five conferences would shut it down. 
and then the SEC and the uh, uh, you know SEC, the Big Twelve, and the ACC decided that they were going to go ahead and play. You know, and then it's almost like you know the kids who. It's like uh, kids talking about going to a party, and uh, a couple of the kids, well, I'm not going, and then the other, thinking the other three won't go to the party. Then the other three go to the party, and they go, uh, they see them at the party, and they're starting to have fun and whatever, and they say, okay, well, we'll go too. So the other two go. It's it's kind of like that. So now I guess the MAC is going to try. They're having a meeting on Saturday where they're going to try and see if they can play maybe a six-game schedule. The Mountain West Conference is talking about playing maybe an eight-game schedule. I think before it's all over, it sounds like everybody's going to play. You know, I, I was lucky if they play. told me there was a party, So, but I do know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's you know, me, and me too. <laughs> it would seem to me, and I, I said this all along, that it, it was, this COVID situation is so fluid with hotspots popping up in, you know, state like Kentucky was doing great. And then, you know, like so many, it, it people started ignoring protocols and giving in to theories and all that. And the next thing you know, we're back in trouble. But I felt like those conferences, and I saluted them for, for making the decision and apparently ignoring the financial needs. But on the other hand, I, I was impressed that the SEC said, let's wait and see how things are going. And they had a definite plan. And, and Sankey, I thought, and the presidents didn't said the right things. So it, it just makes these other leagues look foolish right now, doesn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, but, but, but back to your original point, I think you're right. I mean, this is a, you know, we, we did at the Herald Leader, we did a, a special section, uh, oh, it was a couple, few months ago now, uh, when this thing first started, where about the healthcare workers and the, and the, who are dealing with the crisis. And because there was no sports going on at the time, uh, I did several of those stories and everybody that I talked to, uh, especially the doctors that I talked to, the one thing they kept stressing is this is a novel coronavirus. Novel meaning it's new. We don't yeah. know that much about it at that time. And still, all these months later, they know more, but they still don't know everything about it. So there's a lot of unknowns. I think that the myocarditis uh, factor, I think, scared off the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They were concerned about that, where the SEC, I think, was like, well, our numbers aren't really showing that. Uh, you know, if we push the start of the season back, it gives us more time to study the issue. Um, you know, I think so. I, I don't really, I don't fault the Big Ten and the Pac-12 for being cautious, uh, but I do think that the way it's played out so far, the SEC seems like it's taken the right approach. The only thing is, is that I mean, this going forward, it, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be chaotic. I mean, it's going to be very disruptive. I mean, you have games being canceled like two days before the game. Charlotte, North Carolina was yes. supposed to play Saturday. It got canceled yesterday because Charlotte doesn't have an offensive line. Uh, you know, LSU, Ed Ordron said the other day that most of his team has contracted the virus. You know, there's going to continue to be cancellations and games shifted and moved around. I mean, especially with these kids on college campuses, it's not like the NFL. The NFL has done, has, seems to have done a very good job of keeping keeping the spread down, keeping their cases down. But those guys are getting paid. They know if they are not, if they get the virus, they're not going to get their paycheck. They're not going to get right. their game check. It's a different deal with them. So I still think you know they're going to move forward. But I, just, I still think there's going to be a lot of disruption between now and the SEC championship game. I agree. And you know, remember now when teams begin to travel. That really complicates things. For instance, the the broadcast crew, Tom and Jeff and I, are not going to fly with a team. Uh, We're going to drive. We're going to go the seven to seven hours in the car. 
but that's just one more precaution to take, of course, not getting on a plane that features, you know, circulated air. And, and uh, right. granted, you'll be on the plane with players and staff members who are constantly monitored and have the best health care available, but, you know, the, the the virus doesn't know that. It just attacks, so everybody has to do the smart thing and, and just keep your distance and wear your mask. And, by the way, I direct anybody to following Jeremy Jarman on Twitter. If you're a football fan, and you, especially a Kentucky fan, and you want to really know the straight stuff about this, Jeremy is now a nurse working on the front lines outside of Nashville. And I know you you all have probably talked to him. We've had him on my show a couple times. He keeps up. He reads the research. So he'll shoot you straight when it comes to precautions and what you need to know and things like that. So uh, he's one of my favorite sources on this information. We're talking with John Clay, the Herald Leader. We'll take a break and come back in just a couple minutes. You're listening to the Leach Report. For the Leach Report on Facebook, show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach, the voice of the Wildcats. We'll have all the action as the Cats take on the Auburn Tigers one week from tomorrow. John Clay is on the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs. John, another preseason uh, honor another list of Kentucky football players today it's the coaches all-conference team with three players on the first team and three on the third team uh I was talking to Jeff Pecoro the other night about the depth on this team and we all agree that this might be Mark Stoops deepest team maybe his best team and we were talking about the running backs and Jeff invoked the Jerry Claiborne team or teams, and, and of course you were covering Kentucky football back then as, as a mere lad, uh, and that was the team that had, or one of those teams had, four future NFL running backs on the roster, sharing the backfield, no less. And Jeff said he thinks after watching practice, this backfield may be every bit as good or better. Is that too much hyperbole? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you've got, you know, obviously you've got A.J. Rose, Chris Rodriguez, and Kavasia Smoke back from last year, and then the coaches can't stop talking about Juton McClain. Uh, you know, the other day I asked uh, Eddie Grant, I said, has there been anybody at the camp that maybe you, you know, uh, weren't really counting on or didn't really think would figure into your plans? But, but you know, Eddie always says, you know, he tells the players, you, you make me play you you by your performance in practice you make it so i have to play you if you found any of those guys and he mentioned demarcus harris the wide receiver first but i think mcclain was the second person that he talked about <laughs> well they got plenty of running backs yeah but uh i guess especially in the sec and that you know talking about the depth they're going to play a 10 game sec schedule in 11 weeks mm-hmm. so that means there's not going to be any breathers it's not going to be any you know non-conference cupcakes that they can play the young guys and give the older guys a rest arrest week after week it's going to be a grind and i think depth is going to be a huge factor and you know you don't know what's going to happen with injuries and with players so i don't think you can have too many at one position so and and I, the other thing too is you know obviously with terry wilson being the quarterback they're going to throw the ball more than they did last year when lynn bowden was running the show but they're still going to be a gr- ground game offense that's the offense mark stoops wants to play that's the smart thing with when you've got a lot of good backs and you've got an op- a really good offensive line that returns four starters. They want to play, you know, g- a good rushing game on offense and a strong defense. That's their recipe for winning games. So, um, yeah, you can never have too many, uh, 
good running backs. And with those three guys returning in the emergence of McLean and, and Camp, you know, they should be very well stocked at that position. And, of course, Terry Wilson, as we all know, is a wild card when it comes to running the football, True. broken play or design right. play. And if you're wondering about Eddie Grant, and, of course, he and Darren Hinshaw came here with that high-octane offense they had devised and were running in Cincinnati. But I know you remember, John, that it was Eddie Grant, who was the running backs coach at Auburn, of all places, back when they had Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown sharing the backfield, and they were almost unbeatable. So Eddie Grant will do whatever it takes to win. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's been the big thing in his, I guess, what, five years here now. Look how many times he's had to revamp his offense, yeah. you know, earlier middle of the season. He finds a way with the talent that he has. Here's the best way that we can utilize that talent and win football games. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that breaks down. But you're right about Terry Wilson, too. And it'll be interesting to see with Terry suffering that injury last year, you know, the way they talk that he's, he seems just as fast. Mark Stoops referred to him as a bolt uh, coming at when he does tuck it and run. Uh, you know, if he'll be a little more judicious in his running after getting hurt last year, uh, but I think he'll—I think you're right. He's definitely going to be a factor in the run game. John, I've only got about a minute left, but a quick thought on uh, the Bengals falling to your Browns, thirty-five to thirty, the Battle of Ohio. Uh, and I know it was a big night for Browns fans, but boy, Bengals fans have got to love Joe Burrow. He showed again the poise it takes to play in the league. Yeah, that was, it was a—it was a fun game to watch. I mean, with them going back and forth. Uh, the Bengals need an offensive line and a better uh, run defense. Uh, that's that's the only thing Joe Burrow that's needs. Uh, they need some better. He needs a little better protection. He's learning. But you, at, at watching that game, if you're a Bengals fan or a Browns fan, just focusing on the quarterbacks, you had to be really enthused, enthused by the way the guys played. I know Baker Mayfield's gotten some grief here lately, but he looked really good last night. I think he's going to be really good in Kevin Stefanski's offense. So as a Browns fan, I felt really good about the way they played played last night, and especially with that back, talking about running backs with Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt there in the backfield, they look good. But uh, with Bengals, no, I think I've been very impressed with Burrow in the first two games, especially when he's been, he's been under so much duress. Give him a little more time to throw, I think he's going to be fine. Oh, I agree with you, and uh, we shouldn't be surprised by the poise because he excelled at the highest level on football's grandest stage, college football's grandest stage last year. But you're right, if they don't get him some help on the O-line, he's going to get crushed and they're going to waste a great opportunity. John Clay, the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. Thank you very much, sir. Stay safe. Maybe I will see you down at Auburn. Thank you, Dick, and belated happy birthday. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. John Clay, who has covered the football beat for quite some time here in Lexington. It's the Leaks Report back in just a few This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for the voice of the Wildcats. Coming up one week from tomorrow, it's SEC football as the Wildcats open up on the road down at Auburn. And we welcome our next guest, who is best known, I think, for covering basketball but of course knows him some football as well and that is mike DeCourcy of the sporting news and the big 10 man who keeps pretty busy how are you sir i'm very well dick how are you we're good thank you so much and first of all uh you are a steelers guy and of course you've covered a lot of kentucky games in the in the in your career and boy benny snell's looking like the real thing lately isn't he he was terrific on monday night and uh, there, there is a massive faction, if not, if not all of Steeler Nation now, 
that would like to see him installed as the primary back for the Steelers after how well he performed and how poorly James Conner performed in another game where he also got hurt again. I heard a stat on Pittsburgh Sports Radio yesterday that in the last 21 games, James Conner has either missed totally because of injury or gotten injured during the course of 17 of those games. Oh, my. And Benny, Benny's not been down at all. He, just, <laughs> he, and he, he, was, he was stellar Monday night. He was very much the player that Kentucky fans remember. Last year he was, he, he was useful, but he wasn't dynamic. But Monday night yeah. he was a game changer. I don't know if you remember when he got here, but we were told that this kid coming in has been coached by his father in the weight room, that his dad was a specialist in that area. So, of course, Benny didn't look like the average freshman coming in when it came to his musculature, if you will. And, yeah, one of those running backs who runs to contact and through it. So, uh, you know, we know that running backs don't last too long in the NFL, but if you're smart about it, you can carve out a career and, uh, and he is, I think, and we all agree, he's in the perfect place, the right team, the right town for the way he runs. It's a lot of fun watching him. Yeah, he, he's been outstanding. Uh, uh, and I I think that uh, James Conner seems to be healthy, and, they, and it's trending toward him taking the ball on, on Sunday against the Broncos. But I don't know that uh, that they're going to put up with a lot of one-yard gains over the course <laughs> of that game after what they saw Monday. They know that... that if James does not perform, and it's been a long time since he delivered one of his A games, if he does not perform, they know now that they've got somebody that they can play who can who can shine. NFL can stand for not for long, as we all know, but you gotta you <laughs> yeah. gotta produce. Well, as I mentioned, that Mike has a glistening resume, which includes work for the Big Ten Network. What was your reaction, Mike? when the league you cover and have covered for so long decided, you know, I think we might want to play football after all. Yeah, I I will say that I was surprised that it went in that direction after they were pretty emphatic back in August that they weren't going to play, that they didn't feel they were ready. I'm still puzzled as to why they made the decision as rapidly as they did. That's the one part that, that I don't understand. Because I know that there was some pressure to make a decision about going forward with practice if they were going to play, but I, I, I don't know that there was that much, that it was, a, it was enough that, that you make a decision as, as comprehensive as the, as the one they made back in August, at least at that point. And if they had, what was odd to me about it was, I don't know exactly whose tests they're going to be using now, but I know that not long after they announced that they were going to postpone, I know I don't remember the timing on the NBA's daily testing, the 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 the, the, the NBA and the NBA PA, uh, and I believe it was Harvard. It might have been Yale. I can't. I, I'm. I might be. It might be Yale. They they they. They got together on a testing protocol that could be turned around in, in hours, uh, and and, it, and they announced that, I believe, that week. And, but even more so than that, the University of Illinois, I believe six days after the Big Ten announced it was going to, can- uh, to postpone f- football out of the fall, six days, I believe, the University of Illinois announced that they had a daily testing program, a, 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 a rapid testing program. 
And that's the University of Illinois. I mean, they're right there. So that was, that was why I was surprised that they made the decision when they did. I thought they could. It, it was one of those things that they could have postponed making a final decision until they maybe two weeks or so when they absolutely had to say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to push it back a month. We're not, we don't think we're ready. I, I think a lot of people would have understood that. Uh, making the decision the way that they did, talking about the possibility of playing the spring, uh, I think that that, you know, that is why they got such a severe backlash uh, because the, the people at Ohio State weren't in favor of that. People in Nebraska weren't in favor of that. And they had to cope with that. And then along the way, it's only five weeks later, I think, they are, they, they are, they are now able to feel confident that they can have rapid daily testing of all their players on a daily. It, it, and when I, I, when I say daily, I mean daily. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that they, they can feel very confident that they're going to be able to put 75, 85, 100 football players, however many they dress, uh, onto the field that are free of the virus. And I, that's why I've been trying to tell people for months that it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, uh, two teams of football players that go onto a field and play a football game without the virus are not going to spontaneously generate the virus. That's right. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. They, they, if, they're, if they are clean, so to speak, when they go out there, they're going to be fine when they're done. Right, exactly. It's up to the people in the stands to be smart. And I know there won't be nearly as many, but just follow the protocols, be smart, and we'll all be happy at football games. And when we come back with Mike DeCourcy, we'll actually talk some football and some basketball. You're listening to the Leach Report. Stay with us. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Dick Gabriel for Tom Leach on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs. We're chatting with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network on the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline. And we talked a little bit of Steelers football off the top, Mike being a Pittsburgh fan and, of course, Benny Snell excelling for the Steelers. But the Bengals, you know quite well, Mike. And uh, they knock heads with the Browns last night, another Bengals loss. Joe Burrow not happy about losing two games for the first time and maybe forever in a row. But, man, this guy looks like a poised veteran, doesn't he? He's very talented. And in a circumstance that is often not not the highest degree of function in the NFL, he's brought a level of calm to their approach that really is a, is a significant change. With, with Andy Dalton, you could always tell when things were going badly because – you know the 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 calmness level for him went from zero, uh, or the panic level went from zero to like fifty in a flash. <laughs> uh, if things got bad, I mean, it was like, uh oh, you know, the ball's the ball's going over the sideline. Things are not going well, and you don't see that with Joe Burrow. And he's only played two NFL games. He ha- he has a belief in himself that every every impending disaster does not have to be a disaster. You can get yourself out of some of them. There's a time to throw the ball away. There's no question about that. But with with Dalton, and, and as a Steelers fan, you could rely on it. If you could put enough pressure on him, he, the ball was going over the sideline. Yep. And that's, that, that, that's not going to do it against Joe Burrow. You have to put him on the ground to feel confident that the play is going to go your way. 
Let me shift over to basketball. Mike, of course, is one of the preeminent uh, college basketball writers in the country, and as such has seen a lot of John Calipari players come and go. And right now, Mike, and basically the final four of the NBA, Calipari players are well represented, uh, and they're and they're playing so well, uh, including Bam Adebayo with another huge effort last night. Uh, should we be surprised at all by this? Because so many of these kids played one year of college basketball, and within a couple of years in the league, they have become linchpins for their respective teams. Yeah, I, I'm now surprised when young athletes who have the opportunity to go there uh, and, and see what's happening with the, the guys that he's trained and that uh, Kenny Payne and, and John Robick, uh, uh, et cetera, have all trained. Uh, when you see what's happening, then with, I'm surprised when guys don't want to be a part of that mm-hmm. because it, it, there, there is something to it. Uh, it, it. It's clear that he has an idea of how to deal with that player in that time frame, and it's not just the Anthony Davis. Okay, he, hel- he helped Anthony Davis, and Kenny helped Anthony Davis. I did a story at the Final Four in 2012 after, after Anthony made a jump hook against Louisville in the, semi- in the Saturday semifinal, one with his right hand and one with his left hand, and I knew from watching him in high school that he didn't have either of those, either hand, uh, when, he, when, he, when he came to Kentucky. So, it's, but it, it, there was already a lot there, and if they'd never given him a jump hook, he still was going to be a significant NBA player. But you look at guys who are not overwhelmingly highly rated coming out of high school. I mean, they're not number 200 or whatever, but Tyler Hero was rated in the 30s. And he comes and he has a significant freshman year, plays in the Elite Eight, nearly has a huge shot in the Sweet 16 to get them to the Elite Eight. And and now he's a huge player as a rookie on a team that's halfway to the NBA Finals. I, I, that's, that's amazing to me. And it's obviously not just him. Eric Bledsoe's another. Mm-hmm. Shea is another. Those guys were not all absolute top cream of the crop guys, but when they went through Kentucky, they got significantly better in their one year. And I, I think the one thing that's a disappointment recently is that guys who, who have gone through some of the guys who've gone through have not seen, okay, well, it's not happening for me yet, but it happened for Nick Richards in three years, and it happened for PJ in two years. So let's just wait until it happens for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to get there. And we're seeing instead the impatience. Well, I was supposed to be out of here by now, so i got to go. Right. My, you know, my, my watch says it's time for me to leave. And I, it, if you're talented, Eventually, it's going to happen for you, but it doesn't have to happen in year one, and it doesn't have to happen in year two. You'll get there, but there's, there's no rush. It'll happen. And we've seen guys, you know, some left after two months and some left after a year and some after two years who really did not get the most out of the program possible because they didn't allow it to evolve for them. Oh, I fully agree, and I always like to quote my friend Mike Pratt, who uh, worked in the NBA, played in the ABA, and he always talks about do you want to visit the league 
or play in the league, and there's a stark difference. And, and sadly, some of Calipari's players have ended up simply visiting the league, and you can make a nice living overseas. But I, I think you're right on the money uh, in that one more year can be so vital in the development of these players. And I've, I'm certain, Mike, and I know you are too, that there are people listening to us right now, Kentucky fans who might be rolling their eyes uh, at, at all this talk about players moving on because they haven't been to the Final Four in a while, and I don't know that it's become mutually exclusive, but it takes more than just kids who are, as you well know, kids who are in their one and only year of college basketball because the, the last few NCAA champs have been veteran teams. Yeah, I, 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 I try to tell people there's no one single way to do it. And, and the way John has done it, I mean, he still made four, more Final Fours in the decade of the of the 2010s than any other coach by by a fair number. I mean he it, he 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 was more successful in that way. Now he didn't he he won one championship, uh, K won two, uh, Jay Wright won two. Uh, so he did not win as many titles as they did. But he was in the Elite Eight, I, I think seven times in ten years, something like that. I mean it, it's it's a one shot deal. They they were a point away from making six Final Fours in ten years. Yes. Yeah, or two points away, one point each time. Mm-hmm. So it it, it 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 is working, but there's no perfect formula uh, to 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 making the NCAA tournament every year, uh, or or to making the Final Four every year. And as I said, they they came very close in seventeen. They came very close in nineteen. Who knows what they would have done this year? Uh, we we can't tell. I mean, they were. They, I wrote about them coming down the stretch of, about a week before they finished their season about how dominant they were in the final eight minutes of games because of the ability of their three guards to control the ball, to get fouled, and to convert free throws. And they were, I mean, it was, the numbers were extraordinary in, in the final eight minutes of their last 14 games or so before uh, the Tennessee and, and Florida games. And they, they, were, they were incredible, and they might very well have made it this year. But it did, there was no Final Four, so it was impossible to get there. You're absolutely right, and of course, Calipari uh, claiming that oh, this team would have won a national championship. And if I were, I would have done the same thing, you know, because who's going to? No, it wouldn't. But uh, they were definitely <laughs> playing their best basketball at the time. But it, it does take a little bit of luck, you know. I mean, putting that 2012 team together, which had such a great mix of veterans and young talent, and had that X factor of Michael Kidd Gilchrist people. I know they don't forget about that because they loved him so much. Uh, and Darius Miller what was such a great factor. Uh, you know, so you look at that team, uh, and, you know, Jay Wright's teams were probably a little bit older, but you had the veterans, you had the raw young talent, and I really believe that it's got to be a combination of all that to win anymore. Well, the, the thing that Jay has locked down is that he's able to get significant talents who aren't always highly rated, but who are committed to being there as long as it takes. That's, that's the one thing that Jay's got figured out that uh, other coaches have struggled with. Uh, they, they're, they, they have not had very many players leave ahead of schedule. I think maybe one uh, over the past five years or yeah. so who were, who were very good players who left probably a year before they should have. Uh, they, they, they've been able to get that done, and it's not easy to do that. Uh, Mike, Mike Krzyzewski has had guys leave 
before they were ready to leave. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we've seen that there. Uh, we've seen him have, keep some guys, too, like Grayson Allen, but we've seen guys leave him before they were ready to go. Uh, Gary Trent is a very good example of that. Got impatient, could have been a star as a sophomore and then a first-round pick. Instead, oh, i got to be out of here, uh, winds up in the second round, and we know he's a good player. You see what he does for Portland now. But he, he got impatient, and so he's going to make less money in the early years of his career than was necessary. Uh, maybe in time, the name, image, and likeness deal solves this for everybody because then guys don't have to feel like I've got to go out there and get right. money while I can. Uh, they might have a significant source of income while they're in place, and, and that way they can learn to develop. I agree. Mike DeCourcy, so much fun talking to Mike and, of course, reading him in the sporting news and online and enjoying his work on the Big Ten Network. Mike, have a terrific weekend and uh, enjoy college football, my friend. Yes, you too. Enjoy. Good luck to the Cats, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a few. You're listening to The Leach Report. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Aberlin for The Voice this morning. We appreciate you being with us, and I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. We thank our guests, Mike DeCourcy and John Clay, who came to us via the Kentucky Hemp Works hotline. And a shameless plug for my show in Lexington. Uh, you can pick it up in Louisville. If you're on the eastern side of Jefferson County, you might be able to get it on 6.30 a.m. But otherwise, just use the iHeartRadio app on your phone or tablet and uh, listen to us talk mostly UK sports, of course, uh, each night, Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 Eastern time. And uh, we, uh, if you're a Yankees fan, you are a happy person because your team last night, this is, this is, I guess it's, it's a bizarre mark, but you know, the Yankees have played baseball for a long time, but for the first time in franchise history, five home runs in one inning, and the first three were back-to-back-to-back on consecutive pitches. So Yankee fans are feeling pretty good about themselves today. And we feel pretty good about the fact that we're going to have college football in the SEC one week from tomorrow. We'll have it for you on UK Network stations. Thanks so much. Thanks to Shannon the Dude for his help this morning. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.